Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. This week's episode is an interview with Molly Newman all about trivia. Uh, Molly runs trivia events here in Portland. She runs pub trivia, long-running, very well-established, very good pub trivia. And she also does private events as well. And she has achieved probably the highest echelon of trivia fanness. She's been on Jeopardy. So she knows what she's doing when it comes to what makes for a good question, a bad question, an uncompelling question, an interesting or a funny question. Uh, we talked all about that and how you, listener, can sharpen your trivia game. Hope you like it. All right. Hi, Molly. Hi, Joe. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Excellent. It is a wonderful rainy day here in Portland, Oregon. It is rainy and drippy and just terrible. Uh-huh. So, I can't swear, right? Oh, you can swear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great, great. Go, you can say I swear right now. Fuck yeah. There you go. Congratulations. <laughs> it is raining like a motherfucker. It is. Yes. <laughs> it's an edible rain. I think this might... <laughs> I think this might be flagged as clean on iTunes, but fuck it. So... Let's start by talking about what. How would you describe what you do, trivia-wise? You're a professional quiz mistress. I think I, that's a term I you refer use. to myself as a quiz mistress. Okay. Yes, um, I identify as strongly femme, so quiz master didn't work for me. Uh huh. Or quizzical empress that works mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I write and host trivia events uh, in Portland, Oregon. My longest-running venue is at Mississippi Pizza on Wednesday nights, and that has been going for six and a half years every Wednesday night. Yeah, uh, that, that's how I met you. It is, it is. It's You once described it as church for nerds, and I, I love that description well, entirely. It, it totally is. It's ritualistic. Mm-hmm. It's in the same place. You have a celebrant, that's you. Mm-hmm. You have people whom you only like kind of know. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, there, uh, there's definitely ritualistic aspects to it. I, I use very similar language every time to describe the rules, um, to introduce the scores at the end of each round to tell you who is a winner and who is another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's communion involving pizza and beer or cocktails. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So um, I am. I moved back to Portland, Oregon. I'm from here, but I moved back to Portland, Oregon back in 2009. And a friend of mine, uh, we were shopping around for trivia nights and happened upon yours. And we, we had been doing the rounds and we thought, oh, this one, this is a good one. So I want to talk to you because you are also an uncommonly good quiz mistress. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Also, also people pay a lot of very good money for you to ask some questions. They do. They do. Uh, but they also have the opportunity to win money. So there's okay. a, a slight chance of a return on investment. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's also that. Uh, how did you get into this? I was actually writing questions for another trivia outfit in town, which shall remain nameless. Mm-hmm. Um and had been doing so for about a year and was becoming uh, increasingly irritated with the setup. But, you know, I, I was still getting paid to look up random facts and write questions. So that was good. Then the owner of Mississippi Pizza asked if I would be interested in doing trivia there. I said, let me pass you along to my boss. And he said, no, actually, if you can tell me what you're being paid now, we would be happy to pay you more than that to come here and write and host trivia exclusively for us. At that time, I was hosting the Portland Spelling Bee, so mm. I had a, a stage reputation to protect, I guess. Um, 
So I gave my notice and started two weeks later and have been doing this ever since. It's a fantastic environment um, as far as there being a stage, a sound system that usually mostly works most of the time, plenty of seating, actual bar. So I think it's, it's worked <laughs> synergistically for everyone's benefit. Cool. Now trivia games are popular. Uh, people have been playing trivia games for a while. I think you know something a bit about that, right? I do, a little bit. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, there have been informal trivia games for as long as as long as people have come up with uh, stumper questions about what kind of dinosaur was that just ran by. Mm-hmm. Uh, when humans and dinosaurs lived together. They did, yes. Yes. Right, yes. Uh, just outside the Garden of Eden. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And this was before the flood because Noah couldn't get the dinosaurs on the ark. Oh, no, they were, they were much too big. Right. And uh, they ate gopher wood, so they would have just gnawed holes in the ark. It would have been terrible. And that's why we don't have dinosaurs anymore. Or gopher wood. That's a, that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I might throw a question about it into a quiz at some point. All, any Christian fundamentals right. listening have just checked out. <laughs> Gonna run it if at they iTunes didn't check reviews. out long ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, what, what many people think of when they hear the word trivia is, I've been asked this question so many times, so do you read questions from Trivial Pursuit? Um, mm-hmm. Which apparently there do exist bar trivia nights in some far-flung region of Manitoba or whatever, where a quiz night consists of coming in and having someone read questions from Trivial Pursuit. Um, That's not what I do, but Trivial Pursuit was something that brought the idea of there being an organized set of questions with specific answers, uh, and I guess gamified it in a way Mm -hmm. that was popular and that worked for lots of people. Uh, It was launched in 1979. and was hugely popular during the 80s. There was a, a broad range of questions. I, I don't know when the last time might have been that you picked up an original edition of Trivial Pursuit and tried to play it, but many of the questions are just execrable. They're, uh, they're trifling, um, they're terrible, and hyper-specific. Uh, one thing that I try to do is write questions so that even if you have no idea who was the lead goal scorer for the 1979 Philadelphia Flyers. You might mm-hmm. still get it. Or if I'm going to ask you that, I'll at least try to do it in a funny or entertaining way. They're a hockey team. They are. That's okay. The game. That's about the ice. <laughs> okay. Ice and sticks. No balls. Just <laughs> pucks. Um, yeah, it was it was created by two Canadian friends, uh, which I don't know if you've ever... Wait, Trivial Pursuit's Canadian? Yes, which explains the huge preponderance of questions about hockey and Canadian stuff that no one cares about who's not Canadian. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like... Two Canadian guys um, who were buddies and came up with the idea for this game. Uh, and then, because it was a challenge to fill the box with however many cards I didn't research that fact because no one cares with six Mm -hmm. questions on each card they did quite a bit of wholesale borrowing from existing trivia resources um, including at one point uh, leading to a lawsuit they apparently lifted lots of questions from a book called the trivia encyclopedia and the author of the trivia encyclopedia became aware of this by perusing the cards and realizing that many of them had the exact same grammatical errors that he had had in his original Ooh. poorly written questions, apparently. Mm-hmm. And one one fact in particular, which was, what is Columbo's first name? I couldn't tell you. Well, the trivia encyclopedia, and hence Trivial Pursuit, had the answer as Philip. But the guy had made that up out of his head. Columbo doesn't have a first name. Oh, really? His first name is not cited. He's just Columbo. He's just Lieutenant Columbo. His first name is Lieutenant. 
<laughs> Maybe someday he'll make captain. Is that more than lieutenant? I don't. Know. Captain Colombo has a kind of cool, cool alliterative ring to it. <laughs> I don't know how the. He could be a Marvel Comics was. character, Captain Colombo. Oh, he could have been. But, yeah. Uh, there's Colombo has no first name. That seemed like a very clear um, instance of plagiarism, but uh, it it was taken to court, and the lower court, the district court, declined. Uh, the suit because they said according to the first amendment you can't copyright a fact according to u.s copyright law you cannot copyright a fact which it seems that you know something that's not a fact like columbo's first name being philip might be an example of plagiarism instead but then the supreme court just declined to hear it so okay it stood and the trivia encyclopedia author went away cranky oh and trivia pursuit is now an institution yes you can play um Actually, I think one of the most miserable evenings of my life was playing Star Trek Trivial Pursuit. Ooh. I'm sure you would have enjoyed that immensely. I would have enjoyed this immensely. <laughs> but it gets down to the wee, fiddly, truly trivial details, which for some people, is if it's, if it's a subject that you have intensely detailed personal knowledge of, works for you. But if you're just somebody who's trying to have fun in a bar mm-hmm. and maybe show off a little bit, possibly win some money or a valuable gift certificate, <laughs> then it's less fun. Mm-hmm. Another important thing about you, though, you've been on Jeopardy. <laughs> I, I was. I was on Jeopardy uh, low these many years ago. I did not win. It's a point of deep personal shame for me that I came home winless. <laughs> but still, I, that's that's an achievement for like any trivia nerd. Mm-hmm. That's that's like what you're shooting for, <laughs> just to be there. How was it? Uh, it was a it was a fun experience. I actually made friends with one woman who is still a Facebook friend, and we're still in contact. Hi, Ellen, <laughs> um, a delightful lady who was competing the day after me. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, have Alex Trebek's hand linger on my rib cage for an uncomfortable length of time. Oh my! <laughs> um, it was it was it was a very fun experience. Uh, and apparently I know more than I thought I did about country music. Cool. Who knew? Uh, apparently you did. <laughs> Alex Trebek, also Canadian. I'm not sure if it's because there's less to do in the long frozen winters, um, which I've, I've heard as a theory for why Portland people tend to be makers and creatives because we don't want to go outside for so many months of the year. So we mm-hmm. you know, do things like 3D print little Cthulhu's. I have a 3D printed little Cthulhu. That's why that that's why that occurred to me. Don't you keep your like role playing dice in that thing? I do. <laughs> he has a little slide out drawer with a set of polyhedral dice. <laughs> that is adorable. So earlier you alluded to badly written trivia questions, and this is something I wanted to drill down into. Like, what makes a trivia question a good or bad question? Like, what are some of the bad questions you were thinking about? Well, I <clears throat> I was just looking at a list of things that I would consider to be poorly written trivia questions. Here's one. A comet or asteroid impacted the Tunguska River region of Siberia in what year? I don't know. There are people who do know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 1908, but I might be wrong. It is 1908. Oh, congratulations. But nobody cares what year anything happened. Asking what year something happened is an uninteresting question that no one no one who attends your event is going to walk away feeling like they've learned something cool because they heard in which year something happened. A, they're not going to retain it. B, they're not going to care. 
-hmm. It's fundamentally uninteresting. Mm -hmm. A much more interesting way to rephrase that question from my perspective would have been, a comet or asteroid impacted the Tunguska River region of Siberia in 1908, the same year that saw the final World Series win of which team? Uh, let me think. Brooklyn Dodgers. Nope. Chicago Cubs. There you go. Okay. See, that's more interesting. Tying I... it back around and wrapping two subjects into one question automatically widens the appeal of the question. And I'm not asking which year something happened. And that's something you said Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, I don't do um, that thing anymore. So. Yeah, you, you said Brooklyn Dodgers knowing, having some, some knowledge to go on. But had you been on a team with two or three other people, you might have suggested Brooklyn Dodgers. Someone might have said... That sounds possible, but I think that it might actually be the Cubs, and here's why. That's why team trivia is great, because by Voltroning your minds together, you have a much better chance of coming up with a correct answer. Sometimes there's somebody who's just, boom, give me the pen, I know this one. Mm -hmm. I love when the person who's been sitting there quietly for most of the, most of the game just suddenly hulks out and grabs the pen and I know everything about the Backstreet Boys. I can totally answer this question. That's <laughs> kind of a delightful moment to watch. Mm -hmm. um, but that's that's something that you can kind of triangulate and attempt mm -hmm. to come up with. Triangulability, which is probably not a word, I think uh, helps come up with a better trivia question. Okay. Um, what would you say is an example of, I mean, how would you characterize like good trivia questions? You men mentioned they are triangulatable. <laughs> what are some other characteristics of a well-written trivia question? Uh, I think what I will often do is uh, reverse a question. Um, there are many questions that if you ask them one way, they're either too hard or too easy. Like if uh, 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 an example question that I have here, I'm going to give you the, the, one of the non-backwards versions of it. Who invented the cotton gin? Uh, Eli Whitney. There we go. Everybody knows that. That's, for some reason, that's a fact that sticks in everyone's head from mm -hmm. U.S. history class. In what year did he invent the cotton gin? Uh, it would be before the Civil War. There you go. No one, no yeah. one. The first one, everyone knows, so it's too easy. The second mm -hmm. one, no one knows, and no one has a reason to care. But what I did was take those two facts. This was an on-this-day question. I like asking questions about things that have happened on particular dates in history. On this day in 1794, as everyone remembers for some reason, Eli Whitney patented the cotton gin. What does a cotton gin do? Oh, it takes the seeds out of the cotton, right? Yeah, it separates the fibers out of the seed pods. That's yeah. a way better question. Yeah, that's that's more interesting. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't know beforehand what a cotton gin does, you have the possibility of walking away with a little nugget of information somewhere in your brain that's going to come up, I don't know, in some later context and possibly, possibly had relevance to you. Okay. Or uh, an impossible question is not is not fun. Something that is something uh, something that is so obscure or so appealing to such a small percentage of the population. Uh, mm -hmm. If no one gets the if, if zero teams get the answer to a question, it wasn't a good question. I have failed. If everyone gets the answer, that's usually okay for one or two questions in a round. Um, but if everyone's getting every question in a round then there's no challenge, and that's it's a waste of everyone's time. It's, it's not fun to play a game that's not challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, I really, really try to hit the sweet spot as far as regulating difficulty, trying to figure out what percentage of teams are likely to know this. Um, for example, this was from a, a July 11th quiz, which is 7-11 day, the day that 7-11 gives out free Slurpees. I could have asked, which city has led the world in per capita Slurpee consumption for 12 years running? 
I, I don't know. No one knows. No one cares. But I phrased it as, which city, the capital of Manitoba, hmm. has led the world in per capita slurpee consumption? Uh, I don't know what the capital of Manitoba is. <laughs> there would probably be some... Those <laughs> right. <laughs> damn Canadians. There would probably be someone on your team of four intelligent, educated adults who would be able to come up with Winnipeg. Okay. Okay. But That was going to bug me if you didn't say it. <laughs> but also, what's the capital of Manitoba is not an interesting question. You're right. That's a... That's a that is a elementary school test question. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is not a this is not a test. This is not a pop quiz. Um, mm-hmm. I really like questions where I can blend together an academic element and a pop culture element. Um, obviously, that doesn't work for every single question, but when you can do that, I, I think it increases interest level for everybody. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so you hosted a uh, you hosted a quiz last night. I did. Okay. And I was not there. Uh, normally I go to your quizzes, but um, I was, I am in con recovery mode. I went to a comics convention and I had a lot of social contact, uh, contact and spent a lot of money. So I'm, I've turned into a turtle this past week. Oh, I completely understand. Completely understand the simple. There are nights that I wouldn't be there if I didn't have to be there. But um, how about uh, hit me with some questions, but don't give me the answer. Okay. I'll I'll guess and like you listening at home, feel free to play along. Excellent. Okay. Well, shall we start as we always do with this week in assholery? Sure. Alright, I have a, a couple of question asking traditions and one of them is my first question of the night is this week in assholery or who's been a terrible human being this week? There are always many people from whom to choose or many news events from which to choose. This week it was the Texas gun manufacturer Precision Syndicate last week released a new gun that is a Glock modded to resemble which item? Oh, I know this one. Do you know it? I do know this one. Are it you was there? it was a Nintendo light gun, right? Yeah, the Nintendo Zapper. Oh. Yeah, that's that's gonna lead to tears and dead children. Oh, man, that's awful. That's really awful. Yeah. Of course, some knucklehead last night was like, I want one. <laughs> I'm just imagining the havoc that that's going to wreak on TV screens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, you could actually hunt ducks with it. You except, could. Except, I don't know, are handguns good for duck hunting? If the duck's close enough. I mean, okay. traditionally one uses a shotgun or a rifle or some... I think a, I think a shotgun is what you generally use. Because, you know, ducks are small and far away. As long as it comes with a dog that jumps up and laughs at you okay. when you fail. Let's see. Oh, uh, the the Ford Mustang first hit the market uh, in 1964, April 1964 is an on this day type question, and then went on to be one of the most iconic cars, and everybody knows what a Mustang looks like, including making an appearance in which legendary car chase scene set in San Francisco from a 1968 movie? Uh, I think I also know this one. Do you? Um, yeah, Bullet, right? It is Bullet, yeah. 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 Um, at, I think... Uh, there are five hubcaps lost off that car in the course of the course of the car chase. Little bobble on film. That is more hubcaps than cars normally have. Maybe there was an extra in the trunk, or they threw it out as a distraction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll like this one. On this okay. day in 1973, George Lucas began writing the first screen treatment for a project then titled The Star Wars. That's a terrible title. Mm-hmm. Who was the only pilot to survive the runs on both Death Stars? Wedge Antilles. Correct. Of course you know that one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those are some of the questions from our, our first round, which is just general trivia, current events, whatever I feel like asking you about. And then last night I had an ology round. Mm-hmm. Um, I like doing themed rounds. 
and the themes are often very loosey-goosey. For example, next week's quiz is going to be on 420, so I think what I'll probably do is come up with 10 synonyms for cannabis and write questions about those things. Pot, ganja, wacky tobacco. I was thinking like weed, trees, bud. Yeah. Herbal jazz cigarettes. <laughs> I will definitely do a question about jazz. That sounds okay. great. Then I'll have my question about jazz out of the way for the next three years and won't have to ask another one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the first, the first question for the ology round was on actinobiology, which mm. is the study of the effects of radiation upon living beings. It turns you into the Hulk. Yeah, or Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> but apparently, apparently the site of the Fukushima nuclear site is being overrun by radioactive which type of animal? Uh, oh, I think I saw this news item. It's wild boars, right? It is wild boars. Okay. This just sounds like the beginning to the best apocalypse movie ever. <laughs> Radioactive boars. <laughs> or climatology. Uh, for five points each, which Republican figure is planning to debate which famous scientist on climate change? Except the famous scientist is not actually going to be there. It's just going to be pre-recorded video clips stolen off the internet. Uh, sounds like something that Bill... That... Bill Nye has said a lot about climate change. Yeah, Bill Nye is the science guy. Okay. Involved. I mean, in, in, yeah, he is the science guy, and he's the science guy who's involved with this. I, I couldn't tell you which. Uh, that would be Sarah Palin. Oh, my God. I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I hope this is going to be pay-per-view or something. <laughs> Pass the popcorn. Sounds wonderful. Uh. So, obviously, these questions are not necessarily entirely related to what I'm telling you that the ology topic is. Right. Uh, audiology. Uh, the loudest sound ever recorded at 180 decibels was which 1883 volcanic eruption that was heard 3,000 kilometers away in Perth? Uh, was that Krakatoa? It was Krakatoa. Okay. Yeah, you're doing an excellent job. I'm okay. <laughs> Metrology, that's the science of measurement. Uh, what commodity might be measured in pins, hogsheads, or butts? <laughs> Anytime I have a chance to say butts or make a silly dick joke, I will always take that opportunity. Well, aren't those measurements of volume? They are measurements of volume, yes. Okay, there's so... There's a specific commodity that oh, is what, measured... What is a specific commodity? Mm-hmm. Uh... <laughs> Just making Tina Belcher not listen to the microphone. <laughs> I have no idea. It is beer. Oh. Or ale. Okay. Hogsheads or butts. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think like uh, a butt of beer. I think I've heard that before. A or... butt is half a ton. Okay. And a hogshead, I think, is half a butt. So it's just the left cheek. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, how big, how big is a hogshead? Okay, you said... So, wait, a quarter ton. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quarter ton. Uh, I I had these these figures uh, in my head yesterday. Immediately after doing the research, hogshead. Uh, a hogshead is uh, sixty four gallons. It's a lot of beer. Mm, it, that's yes, yeah. A pin of beer is essentially a half firkin. It holds four point five imperial gallons, which is five point four U.S. gallons. This is from the list of English brewery cask units. It seem like, unless you're shipping lots of beer, mostly impractical for the end user. Right, right. I would like a pint, maybe a half pint, depending on the strength of the beer. And what is the, uh, would you like a standard pint or an imperial pint? I would like an imperial pint, please. Uh, also, from the mid-15th century until it was standardized in 1803, ale casks and beer casks contained different numbers of gallons, just to make it harder for everybody. That's from the same source? That is from the same source. Oh my god. Yes. I See, I love stuff like that. People have nonsensical behavior. 
um, which makes it really easy to write questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, on neonatology, newborn babies' health is ranked on which scale that goes from zero to ten? I'm given a number. On which scale that goes from zero to ten? That determines like how good your baby is. At how healthy a... your baby is. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this baby seems shite. Put back. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. It is the APGAR score. The APGAR. Mm-hmm. I have I have never produced baby. <laughs> you probably have your APGAR score written down somewhere. Okay. It's in your in your medical records. Uh, actually named after a woman pediatrician, Dr. Virginia APGAR, who came up with a she wanted a, a standardized way. Uh, basically to do triage on babies like this this baby uh, it rates on things like the the breathing zero is absent one is shallow or labored breathing and two is breathing just fine Mm -hmm. Uh, cry absent like little feeble cry or that means you've got a good healthy baby color Uh, blue babies apparently not what you're going for a gray baby very bad Um, (laughs) but a baby that's you know skin colored Mm -hmm. um or flushed skin color, uh, depending on skin tone, is, is a good, healthy baby. This is an example of um, how I like to make it sound like the question is going to be a one, about one thing and then about something else. This is on chymatology, which is the study of waves. Mm-hmm. At which stadium, home to the Wolverines, could up to 107,601 people do the wave? That's the largest stadium in the U.S. So... Is that Michigan? It is Michigan. Congratulations. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Stadium. It is Michigan Stadium. Wait, seriously? That's yeah, just I wasn't going to pick... I would not have picked something that had a ridiculous corporate sponsorship name that has a chance of having changed in between my writing the question and having presented it. Oh, okay. Like, all of a sudden, I don't know, it's the Geico Pepsi... Ge- yeah, Geico Pepsi Football Dome. No, not, not going to do that <laughs> to people. That's... No. No. But hey, nice job. You did an excellent job. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're the powerhouse of your team. I know, it's terrible. Like Well, you guys have you guys have carefully calibrated your team over the years. Um, there are a number of teams who've done that, like we need sports guy mm-hmm. or we need music slash art history girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know to what to what extent your team, the Defenestrators, which is a wonderful team name, um, and oh my goodness, the most hated team in quiz history. I know. I, I know. love I it. Feel really I love it. it. <laughs> I've I've actually thought about throwing trivia. Oh. Just so that the other people don't dislike no, us. No, no, no. You're you're like the you're like uh-huh. the you're like the Lakers. You're you're no. the Yankees. Oh, you're the Yankees of God. trivia. <laughs> I don't wanna be the I don't wanna be the Lakers of trivia. We're totally the Lakers of trivia. Well the Lakers are having a shit year, so Okay. <laughs> Has writing trivia questions changed how you consume media? So if you are going through your newsfeed in the morning, if you are, you know, just out in the world, mm-hmm. you know, consuming some thing, uh, are you going to be mining for it? Like, oh, that's a question. Oh, oh constantly. Absolutely. Okay. It definitely changes uh, changes my relationship to media. I have my, my very elaborate technical system of a note on my phone that's possible question topics and I just add to that and then remove them as I turn them into questions um, but a, a a passing conversation if somebody mentions something about um, oh about kamikaze that was an example from not too long ago kamikaze the divine wind destroyed the fle- fleet of which conqueror uh, Kublai Khan right yeah it was Kublai Khan okay um, 
but that came up because somebody made some other reference to kamikaze and in conversation that that idea came up and immediately it's thumbs to the phone start start writing that down um i have a few sources which obviously i can't reveal but there are a few uh news aggregation sources that i troll through the first round tends to be largely current events questions Mm -hmm. and i am very unlikely personally to ask questions about deep geopolitical happenings it's much more likely to be you know about a, a guy who was uh, oh, the guy who threw the alligator through the de- through the Wendy's drive-in window. That's what. There was an angry guy in Florida. I've seriously thought before that I should have a, a category called "Meanwhile in Florida," but a, a, a dissatisfied Wendy's customer in Florida threw an alligator through the window um, to register that his square hamburger was not up to his standards. I hope the alligator was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the alligator was okay too. Poor little mm-hmm. thing. That must have been terrifying. Mm-hmm. But um, news events that stand up for their ludicrousness, basically, mm-hmm. or uh, a celebrity getting caught up in doing something that is nobody cares about scandal. You know, this person was caught stepping out or whatever. But uh, like the Hulk Hogan, Hawk, uh, but the the Hulk Hogan Gawker lawsuit that was that was great question fodder um winning 140 million dollars from gawker for a sex tape of him boffing his best friend's wife um a it's funny on a number of levels mm-hmm. b i got to make reference to uh balding or which balding orange celebrity <laughs> no offense to balding persons or orange persons <laughs> actually had another hulk hogan question this week he has <laughs> proposed himself as donald trump's running mate so that would be essentially Wait, seriously uh, yes. It would be the most orange ticket of all time. <laughs> oh, wow. It's just like Cheeto dust everywhere. That is completely reversing my love of Hulk Hogan's cameo in Gremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't believe in trick questions? No, I absolutely <clears throat> don't believe in trick questions. Um, I think that it's, it's a great way to alienate your audience. Um, I feel that my relationship with my audience, at least what I'm going for is one of uh, loving mutual harassment. Um, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoy getting to yell at people. Um, I don't mind being heckled, you know, as long as it's good-natured heckling, not stupid bitch. That's that's not okay, and that, mm-hmm. that that's honestly that hasn't happened. Um, I have never had an encounter like that. But I think that writing trick questions is a very good way to get your audience opposed to you um and not having a good time nobody likes to feel like they're like it's a waste of their time and energy mm-hmm. to be there because nobody could have got that right anyway i will ask questions to which the answer is zero mm. um not often but those tend to be questions where i don't feel that the difficulty level is so hard that people aren't going to be able to come up with zero okay um one last thing i want to ask you uh, I am imagining that plenty of people who listen to a podcast about weird history stuff are in the <laughs> trivia and want to know how they can how they can improve their game. Oh. So what, what tips would you give to uh, the folks listening at home? How to improve Or in their game. car or on, or on their run or, I don't know, whatever they're doing. A lot of people aren't necessarily prepared for current events. If I ask you about something that happened during World War I, you might be more able to answer that than something that happened last week. But even just a cursory read of... Once again, not big world-shaking New York Times Al Jazeera type headlines, but just the goofball stuff. 
that mm-hmm. comes up. Um, take a look at the headlines that pop up in your Facebook news feed because if it's funny or weird, uh, there's there's a possibility that it, that a question might be there. Um, work on pulling together a good team. Um, if it's a whole bunch of you who all got together and bonded over your love of the Justice Society of America. Um, they predated the Justice League. They did. They did. It sounds like it sounds like they got together and had justice tea parties, which I love. <laughs> um, then if if you have uh, complementary other interests outside of that, then that you might be able to put together a great team that way. But if you are all you all watch the same shows, you read the same books, you listen to the same music, uh, you're going to need a little more diversity. For one thing, you're going to need a girl who knows something about sports. You're going to need a sports person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it's just like learning how to spell well, read a lot, uh, have a curious mind. Um, no, no fact is too insignificant. Um, no knowledge is stupid. And for the love of God, if you are asked a comics question, don't try to argue your answer based on some stupid alternate timeline that existed in another book for one issue. <laughs> that is a good way to piss off your hostess. Whatever could you be referring to? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I did have a question about Dazzler on here too in my <laughs> oh, really? my sample sample questions, but now I've already told you that the answer is Dazzler. So okay, um, I could end with one question that longtime listeners will get immediately. Okay, I'm sure. Uh huh. This is on the topic of history is bunk. Okay, history and is bunk. One of my final questions, which tend to be long questions with nice short answers. If you were to visit the royal castle of Nuremberg, you would be able to see an artifact displayed there that made such an impression that it was actually rebuilt after the original was destroyed in World War II, and now copies of it are popular at other medieval tourist attractions throughout Europe, despite the fact that every known example is either a later creation or stuck together from various probably unrelated bits and pieces. No actual reference to one has yet been found in any writings from earlier than the 18th century. Which infamous, though probably fictional, torture device is this? You know, they just played a concert in Portland. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they played at the Tacoma Dome. They played at the Tacoma Dome? <laughs> the <did>. Tacoma Dome! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're correct. The answer is Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. All right. <laughs> Molly, thank you very much for uh, coming by today. Yeah, thank you so much, Joe. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing trivia with you next week. And with any other listeners who are in the Portland area, I'm at the Florida Room on Monday nights at 8 and at Mississippi Pizza on Wednesday nights at 7. It's always 2 bucks to play. There are cash prizes, and you can have a team of up to 7 people. Okay, folks, hope you enjoyed that. As always, this is an independent podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com and sign up for a monthly donation. That would be awesome of you. Find me and the podcast on social media, Twitter, at Joe Streckert, Tumblr, joestreckert.tumblr.com, Facebook, facebook.com slash interestingtimeswithjoestreckert. Click the like and retweet and the rest of it buttons. Also, go to iTunes, leave a rating and a review. That helps other people discover the show. Uh, That would be excellent, and I love hearing from you guys. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week.